we're so used to seeing things that, in my opinion, aren't quite right in our treatment of animals. Yeah, the less we eat, the less violence is being done and the less destruction to the environment. Everyone eats and everyone has to make a moral decision every time that we sit down to the table. Welcome to the Animal Voices radio show, Western Canada's only radio program on animal advocacy and compassionate living. This is 100.5 FM Co-op Radio CFRO in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada on unceded Coast Salish territories. Today is Friday, April the 3rd, 2020. I am your host, Allison Cole, and I am joined here today by my guest co-host, Grace Wampold. Hi! And Megan Beatty. Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad to see your happy faces again this week. We are here for another week of original programming at Animal Voices in these uncertain times where our radio station is shut down. There's no people there physically right now, but uh, we bring you the show via the wonders of recording and Skype technology. We are on Skype all again today. So for our first segment, our guest co-host Grace here will be speaking to us about the health and wellness benefits of growing food for yourself, as that's an option to look at these days when going to the grocery store isn't as easy as we've been used to. She will share with us some of the how-tos of how to grow your own garden, given the physical limitations that you might have. You can even grow a potato in your closet, and we'll find out more about that later. And for our feature interview today, we're excited to welcome back local vegan advocate and food consultant Bridget Jem on the show. Bridget's mission is to support people who want to feed themselves and their families homemade plant-based meals cooked mostly from scratch. She feels that it's the right thing to do for health, for the planet, and for the animals and is passionate about spreading the vegan food love via her food consultation service called Vegan Family Kitchen. Bridget will be here later today to give us her best tips on how to dive into vegan pantry cooking in these uncertain times of self-isolation and social distancing. And that interview is coming up in about 32 minutes. So first off, I wanted to speak about how life has been lately these days. You know, the theme of this show is being resourceful to feed yourself during these strange times, right? And I have found that I have been needing to actually really rely on the food that I have in my pantry and on my cooking skills to cook. And today, for example, I made quinoa, which... It had been, I know it's very easy to make, but it had been so long since I had made rice or quinoa that it always is. It always seems to be like a year since I've made rice and then I forget how to and I have to look at the instructions on the package. And then it turned out to be so easy. And Megan, you saw my stories, right? For on Animal Voices on our Instagram. So did. Yeah. Were you proud of my efforts? <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I and in my stories, if you look, it'll say it says like I say uh, I 
couldn't even remember how to make quinoa. Oh, it's very easy. And quinoa is one of those things actually that is really hard to screw up because you're probably, it's probably not going to get burnt to the bottom of the pot. So, so that actually went with my pantry chili that I made last, uh, last weekend, I think a few days ago. And I've actually been taking that to work every night and using that to nourish myself. And I can tell you, it just feels really good to be able to a bunch of cans of stuff together that you know are high in fiber and high in nutrients and some spices into the pot and mix it all together and you have a nutritious meal. How has it been for you two who wants to start, Grace? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I have a dear friend who I met through the UBC farm and she would always say that if you have a sauce and if you have a starch, you have a meal. And I really have been living that way recently. So I have oats and I recently made myself farro and I made a a small batch of tomato sauce with what I had around and I've just been trying to finish everything I have before I move house in a few weeks. But yeah, it's true. I feel that trying to leave the house less often has kind of solidified some of the ways that I try to like buy things that will last longer. So using things like Tomato sauce and cabbage is a big one for me because that is a green vegetable that lasts a really long time. So what about you, Megan? How has your cooking skills been these days? I don't know how much of a cook you are normally, but are you finding as well, like just not being able to go outside, it's really making you rethink about how you access your food? Well, I am the opposite of a healthy vegan right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that I'm living a student life and I'm the total opposite of a student like I had this huge package of spaghetti like a I guess it was almost a Costco size (laughs) and I was just eating noodles and butter with nooch and salt that sounds good to me it's so delicious but nutrient dense not really so yeah I've just kind of been doing like bare minimum and like baking potatoes and that kind of stuff, there isn't much different kind of flavor, yeah, <laughs> variety, variety or nutrients. But there are some, you know, some of those packages of the all the lentils and beans that you turn into a soup that were left from my old roommate, Sarah. So I think I need to start diving into that and get some healthy bits in this body. Yeah, and I I was actually so surprised today when I found this this uh, Trader Joe's organic red quinoa package at the back of my pantry shelf. Like I didn't even know it was there, and and because I didn't think I had any quinoa, and look, it, like it just like provided itself, and now I have an amazing meal to last me for days and days and days on on. And I love the idea of actually making your food stretch like that too. Any final words, Grace, on on being resourceful and making your food? But I guess we're going to be chatting a bit more about that after, right? Because you're also a gardener yourself. So I guess, yes, what do you want to say about that? Well, it's true. I When you were talking about pantry cooking, the thing that came to mind for me was actually pantry gardening and the idea of taking things you have and stretching them. So like, for instance, taking an onion that you bought at the grocery store that you have nearly finished and putting that on water to get it to sprout so that you can then use like 
the sprouts for maybe like a rice roll or to put on top of other foods um, and just to get more vegetables in or even more flavor. I even one time purchased some fresh rosemary and that is known for being able to sprout really efficiently. So you can plant that as well and then just have a plant forever. And the same thing if I ever let like a potato go bad, you can cut it into smaller pieces and put it into a barrel basically and add dirt as it starts to grow. And then after a while, it becomes a beautiful vining plant. And then eventually you can actually harvest your own potatoes in the comfort of your own home, which sounds a little ridiculous. But the first time I did that, I was living in a single bedroom college dorm room for my first year at university. And I have to say it was quite empowering. I, I would think it would be. So we're going to speak more about Grace's. You have so many great tips, Grace. I want to hear more about your resourcefulness. We're just going to take a break here and we'll be back. Due to the COVID-19 outbreak, the programming schedule at Co-op Radio has been altered. You may hear repeats of old programming, pre-recorded episodes, and special broadcasts overriding certain shows. Thank you for your listenership and patience during this time. And remember to wash your hands. The COVID-19 coronavirus is spreading to more countries globally. While there are still only a small number of cases in Canada, it is important to be prepared. COVID-19 symptoms can mimic the flu and include fever, cough, and difficulty breathing. Encourage those who are sick or showing symptoms to stay home and self-isolate or to seek medical attention. Wash hands frequently for 20 seconds with soap and water or disinfect with an alcohol-based hand rub. Avoid touching eyes, mouth, and nose. Practice good respiratory etiquette. Cover your coughs and sneezes with your arm or use a tissue. Clean regularly used surfaces and objects like countertops, doorknobs, and children's toys. Maintain social distance. Stay at least two meters away from someone who is coughing or sneezing. Instead of a handshake, use a wave or another greeting. For more up-to-date information on COVID-19, check reliable sources like your local health authority, the Public Health Agency of Canada, or the World Health Organization. And we're back for our first segment today. Our guest co-host Grace here. She is here to speak to us about the health and wellness benefits of growing food for yourself as that is something that we really seem to need to look at these days when getting your own food at the grocery store or from restaurants isn't really such an option anymore or it's not as easy as we've been used to. So Grace, let's start first with hearing a bit about your background and you are a university student at the University of British Columbia. What's your background? So I do study at UBC. I'm in the Faculty of Land and Food Systems. I came here to study applied animal welfare to better understand how we can integrate animals into a system without having to eat them as our friends and rather just have gardening be a place of sanctuary for humans and non-human animals. So my passion really is in doing sustainable farming that is regenerative to the land and is kind of accessible to people who maybe don't always have access to green space or really know where our food comes from. I find that understanding how plants grow and how we can nourish ourselves is extremely empowering and something that I think a lot of people in the fast-paced modern society have lost a connection to. So right now with the stress of COVID-19 and all the hysteria around that, I think it's a lot of people have been trying to get back into the basics and bake bread and try to reconnect with their food. 
And so I, I was, yeah, I was wondering what you guys have been doing to maybe reconnect with nature or keep yourself sane during this time. Let's hear from you, Megan. How are you keeping yourself sane? I want to say you have you have animal friends in your life. That must help. Yes. Yes. Um, honestly, I'm a, a hermit, very introverted. And if I didn't have Franny to force me to get outside, even walking around the block to take her to do her business, I probably wouldn't have been out. So I'm really, really grateful to her. It's a very reciprocal relationship I hope she realizes but yeah getting her out and going to a big field and seeing her engage with other dogs and running and the look on her face just brings me so much joy so yeah and my kitties too it's been a different it's been a bit of a transition with Franny joining us but they still engage with me they're not too mad because I have a roommate that that my kitties are kind of connecting with a bit more Um, because Franny takes up the whole bed Um, and she's very little and I have a king size. I'm like, I have room for everyone, all five of us, but we're not quite there yet. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know there were five because Franny has, she just has such a great personality, you know, even though she's little, as you said, she, she just takes it all up and I love it. I love having her at the station and I love your Instagram stories because I, I, I always, whenever I log on Facebook or Instagram and you usually do have some new stories up, you're very active. (laughs) I always click on yours because I know I'm going to get to see Franny the dog. So as for me reconnecting with nature, we were talking about this uh, before the show that it's such a beautiful day today, but I haven't been able to go outside and enjoy it yet. But I just really feel for me today's I, I work night shifts. So like Megan, I when you said hermit, Megan, I laughed because uh, it makes me think of a hermit crab. And that's sort of how I feel like these days, just sort of this crab that's living under her shell and really not in association with the rest of the world because not only do we have this pandemic crisis that are kind of like making everyone scurry away anyways and stay holed up in their homes but to make matters more intense for when I'm actually out in the real world I work graveyard shifts so I don't really see anyone anyway so I'm a hermit and then you know I on a day like today it, I just want to go outside and run and I hope to be able to have a chance to do that. I'm going to be actually engaged in another job that I need to be doing soon and I don't know how much outside time I'll be having. But thanks for asking that, Grace. And honestly, like I'm not a garden person. I'm very interested in seeing what you have to say about how to grow a garden. I'm interested in the potato in the closet, actually. So why don't you go on? <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. I I learned that actually because you can there are vining plants and so if you start it in a deep container you can just keep adding dirt and eventually as far as it's being buried you'll get potatoes because they don't really require any excess they they need light of course but not very much and just enough water and they don't need that much drainage. So I practiced this and I was living in a single room and almost nothing could survive but this potato plant was my only companion because I couldn't have any uh, non-human friends with me and so from there I got really interested in gardening in an apartment and I found that things like basil that do really well in high heat when you have good sunlight you can have forever in your own apartment 
things like rosemary and herbs like cilantro, really high in vitamin C and often are imported. So in BC, we import a lot of our foods. And during this time of economic change, we're likely going to see a lot of changes in our grocery store. Bearing that in mind, I realize that things like apples we can get locally, but often our a lot of BC apples are exported to California. And a lot of different foods like that as well are often sprayed with harmful pesticides. And there are foods like kale and spinach that we can grow ourselves and know that one, no one else has touched them, which is something that people are super conscious of right now. And nothing has been sprayed on them. So in BC, we can grow kale all year round. If you have a radiator, you can grow them in a container on a windowsill. But so I found that certain things you can grow from the grocery stores. But if you do have outdoor space, I would try to consider growing things like leafy greens in the summer. So lettuces that go bad really fast. If you have even just a pot, like you don't even have the space to grow outside, but you have maybe a container, anything that you eat the leaves of, you can grow in a container, bring inside in the night if you need to, if you don't have permanent outdoor space. And that way you can have greens all your summer long without having to go to the grocery store. And you could maybe just kind of survive off of large sacks of rice. I'm really big into oats and other grains like that. And so by having, like in my house, I permanently have onions. I permanently have basil. I always have actually citrus fruit does really well inside. <laughs> so like mirror lemons or small dwarf orange trees, if you have a good window, those will thrive inside. And it's kind of strange because it seems a little bit off kilter. I mean, in relation to most houseplants, but I'm very bad at buying green vegetables and I'm very bad at using them. But if I grew them myself, I find that I'm far more likely to be excited about eating these foods that are healthier for me when I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to be cooking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That makes sense to me because if you've put your own your own work and your own love, so to speak, into making your own effort into making your own food, I would think myself too, it's not going to be as easy as buying it from the store and then forgetting about it. You're going to remember because you're you you will have spent time already with that plant or that vegetable, knowing that you're going to be consuming it. And I think you're going to appreciate it more. That that makes sense. I grew up in a family, uh, my parents, they still garden every year. They grow a huge garden of all kinds of food. So lettuce and uh, broad beans and green beans and potatoes. And I was, you know, I was always part of the process of like helping to dig up the potatoes and helping to weed a lot, which I, my sister and I just hated doing. And I think that's why I'm not a gardener type of person. It is a lot of effort to grow a garden, but which is why I go back to the potato in the closet if it was that easy. Or you're making it sound like it's pretty easy, like you can have a garden while when you live in an apartment. What about herbs are you uh you mentioned basil are you because my mom would have a garden that was uh dedicated just for herbs what are what is your what are your thoughts on herbs um it depends on the herb i would say like certain herbs that are considered perennials so those are ones that live all year round versus an annual crop that will die in the winter so like a tomato is an annual crop and often things like spinach are annual crops. But kale and rosemary and basil can be perennials if treated correctly. So 
certain herbs do really well inside that don't need a lot of sunlight. A lot of people in Vancouver have rosemary plants and lavender plants. You probably see those outside while walking the city without even realizing it. But then things like cilantro and things like parsley, you can do this time of year, but probably would die back in the wintertime. So that's the thing is I feel very lucky that we if anything, that coronavirus hit the beginning of the summer, because right now we have a really good opportunity to access seeds and those who do have outdoor growing space to consider maybe planting like you can directly sow a few bean plants, for instance. And that's really helpful if you're trying to increase the amount of protein available in your diet or just in general have available protein in the wintertime because you can dry beans. And thinking of foods like that, I want people to think about what food they eat a lot of and what foods they want around and then consider whether or not there's a viable way for them to grow it. So garlic, for example, it's a little late to start it, but if you have access to space, you can grow garlic. And a lot of people eat that throughout the year and has different parts of the plant that you can eat as well. And beans and peas are so, so easy to grow. You just plant them and make sure they have water and they'll kind of just go on their own. As long as they have a place to climb, you really don't have to do anything for them. (laughs) So realistically, how much space do you need to grow peas and beans? Do you need an outdoor, I guess you do need an outdoor area for them or I don't know. Yeah, if you're growing a legume, so a bean or pea, you'd want to do that in something either a very deep container or directly into the soil because those have what are called tap roots that go far deeper than a leafy green. Um, so something like kale or arugula um, or spinach, you can grow in a pot because it doesn't have very deep roots. But something like a bean or a pea um, are usually directly sowed into the ground and would need more vertical space, essentially. So if anyone's interested in trying to start their own garden, I would suggest hitting up westcoastseeds.com. They are BC-based and have a lot of amazing gardening tips for all of British Columbia, and they can give you suggestions depending on what part of BC you live in. Additionally, BC Eco Seeds is a cooperative group that sell seeds from different farms around the Lower Mainland that have been specifically bred for our climate. So you know that they'll do well. They're really great for beginner gardeners, and you can order them directly to your house. Additionally, I would suggest Salt Spring Seeds, owned by Dan Jason. Salt Spring Seeds has a really nice variety of different legumes, pulse crops, things like oats and quinoa even, amaranth, and other storage crops that are far easier to grow than people realize. That's also fascinating. Thank you, Grace. I didn't know that you were such a wealth of information about gardening, and I didn't even know that there was just so much to know about just growing food in your home. What about you, Megan? Um, Well, I knew she was a wealth of knowledge, this one. Yes. But um, yeah, I didn't realize that it was so easy. I've never been a very good plant person. They always die on me and now having all my kitties they would always eat the plants if I did try to have them so I haven't really dove deep into this kind of stuff but I love hearing about it maybe someday I'll have the space to be able to do it 
I love hearing about it too. And I want to welcome you to come back anytime, Grace, to speak more about growing your own food. You make it sound interesting to me, which <laughs> I have to say, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected so much. I love the way that you articulate how fun and easy it is for you. So now I'm starting to get why people love to garden. And, you know, I grew up in a gardening family. To me, it was always about the burden of having to weed and find gigantic millipedes in the ground. And but and, and slugs but you're making it sound fun so yeah, thank I mean, you grace especially now if people are trapped at home and they have some kids give them a shovel and some dirt and you know you never know how long they'll be out there so yeah gardening is a really great way to get some your some some vitamin d get yourself outside get the kids moving and you can still practice social distancing while you weed thanks grace that was really good And to find the various web links for the different resources for seeds that Grace has given us today, you can check those out on our show notes for today's show, April the 3rd, 2020, at animalvoices.org. You are listening to Animal Voices on Vancouver's Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM CFRO, 100% listener-sponsored radio broadcasting live from the east side on unceded Coast Salish territories. excited to welcome back local vegan advocate and food consultant Bridget Jem on the show. Bridget's mission is to support people who want to feed themselves and their families homemade plant-based meals cooked mostly from scratch. She feels that it's the right thing to do for health, for the planet, and for the animals and is passionate about spreading the vegan food love via her food consultation service called Vegan Family Kitchen. Bridget is here today to give us her best tips on how to dive into vegan pantry cooking in these uncertain times of self-isolation and social distancing. Hello, Bridget, and welcome back to the Animal Voices show. I'm so glad to be here. It's good to talk with another human being, especially an adult at this time. So thanks for having me on the show. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming back on the show today, Bridget, to speak to us about how to cook from your pantry in this time of COVID-19, where we are limited in getting food these days. First of all, how are you and your family doing at this time? I know you have two young children. Spring break has just ended. And how has that been for you? Well, I'm not saying it has not been challenging, but really I'm, I'm counting my blessings. We're you know, going to lose some income, but we'll be fine. Our home is big enough for the kids to run around and you know, fight. Um, so I, I really appreciate our luck right now. The tricky thing for us is that just before spring break, actually, we were in, on a trip to Vietnam. And so when we came back at the beginning of spring break, we were for two weeks not able to go out and get our own groceries. I'm kind of picky when it comes to shopping and also I have to test recipes that I I give to my clients because I have a a meal planning service. And so I was relying on the kindness of my friends and neighbors to keep us stocked. 
And it made me a little bit nervous. It was especially scary when I got a text message from my friend at the grocery store saying that there was only silken tofu <laughs> left on the shelves. And that was a disaster because I really was looking forward to cooking a lot of tofu that week. But, you know, we're, we're making do and surviving. Yeah, that I have heard of the tofu shortages and I directed everyone to Sunrise Market. But I don't recommend people going down there right now because there's a big outbreak in the downtown east side as I was just reading about last night. So these are the these are the limitations and the times that we're having to work in here, right? So since our Canadian and municipal governments declared a state of emergency two weeks ago and in the weeks prior to that, it's been hectic times all over the world. People have been buying out the supermarkets with shelves now literally being bare of many items, as you've pointed out, and restaurants have been mandated to shut down other than offering takeout or delivery services. I know that I am not even interested in going out these days to have a stressful experience of going to the grocery store. And I don't trust all restaurant food to be sanitary enough. So I've regulated myself to embracing my fully stocked pantry and diving into the cans of non-perishable goods and into the depths of my freezer to see what is there and what I can put together. And because I know that you're the expert in this area, Brigitte, I've been thinking about you and I wanted to have you on the show to give us some tips on how to successfully and easily cook from scratch with our pantry items. Can you start by telling us what your top pantry items to have are and why we should have these food items as staples in our kitchen, especially in times where we need to make a little food go a long way? Yeah, there's really, for me, a list, and everybody's list will be different, right? But for us, we have a list of about 10 pantry items that I really feel the need to keep stocked, you know, at full jar level. Uh, at any time. And for us, those are chickpeas, black beans, red lentils that really can go into anything and disappear, but still provide uh, extra nutrition. And usually I like to have a fourth legume that's stock, whether it's French green lentils or black chickpeas or pinto beans, some, some other legume. So I try to always have four. And then I need, I mean, we love our carbs. I uh, don't have a problem with that. And uh, but we try to keep them very nutritious and a bit complex. So brown or red rice is our top one. Uh, I like red rice because it cooks a little faster and it's also whole. We love to have quinoa. We love to have pasta. And I have to admit, not whole wheat. And that's the one thing that I'm not giving up. But note that spaghetti takes a lot less space for weight than, let's say, rigatoni. So we like to have a lot of spaghetti. Asian noodles, something like a soba noodle that's dry that we keep at hand. And then a few other things that will round up a meal. Canned tomatoes can be made into anything, you know, the really the big 28-ounce cans. Some nut for us, preferably walnuts or almonds that we can use in many different ways. And that was 10. So I have a bonus item, which is cashews, uh, because raw cashews, because in, in a jiffy, it will make an amazing sauce, especially if uh, you have a Vitamix blender, you know, a high power blender or Blendtec. Sunflower seeds or some other seeds like hemp or pumpkin seeds can also stand in for cashews, but, you know, to a point. And those will cover pretty much all lunches and dinner. And for breakfast, I also have to add uh, rolled oats. We go through a lot of those. I also use them to make pancakes and other things. So when, when I have all of these, you know, those 10 plus one ingredients, and it's important, of course, some fresh produce, frozen can stand in, but, you know, 
Fresh produce at the moment is still not a problem, so I hang on to that. It's possible to improvise practically endless pantry-based meals. And of course, I love to have tofu. <laughs> That's really important for us. So what tips do you have for being creative in the kitchen with these types of pantry staples, which I've written them all down, by the way, not just for me, but <laughs> for our listeners, I'm going to post them on our website. So good resources there. And, you know, you've got the pasta, the beans, uh, maybe some sauces. You've got the canned tomatoes for sure. This brings me to thinking about your vegan pantry challenge, which you might like to talk about, or basically it's just sort of like the fun of being able to dive into your pantry and figure out what do you have there? Like, what do I have? and what can I use and what can I make? Oh, yes. I love the pantry challenge. I, I run it uh, twice a year as a more organized things, but uh, your listeners are welcome to join anytime by going to veganfamilykitchen.com slash pantry. I think we'll have that in the show notes. Um, since most people are stuck at home right now anyway and have some extra time on their hands, of course, they could spend more time watching great documentaries on Netflix but uh, doing a kitchen inventory, which is the number one step of the pantry challenge, is something I really warmly recommend. The goal of the pantry challenge is to commit to cooking from what we have in the fridge and the freezer and in the pantry. So basically the situation we're in right now. But what is really the core of the challenge is the inventory. There's a step-by-step -step method available for download on the website, but basically what it means is taking a couple of hours. For some people, it will be less. For others, it will be a lot more. But to take absolutely everything out of the fridge, of the freezer, of the pantry, toss things that are no longer edible, and I'm afraid there will be some of that, cleaning the shelves and the bottom of the jars that are left, and carefully putting everything back in, while taking notice of what is in there. That's a really good time to realize that we have a bunch of ingredients that are maybe less common, but that are absolutely like delicious flavor bombs. And I know a lot of people who stock, for example, seaweed of various kinds, or maybe some fancy spice mixes like garam masala, or really nice fruity or, or aged vinegars. And so let's take them away from the back of the shelves, bring them to the forefront and make sure to actually use them. Mm -hmm. And so when I suggest, you know, the method I suggest for making dinner in the pantry challenge, but it's good for anything, pandemic or not, you know, really the deciding factor when starting a meal should always be the same. What is in the produce drawer? What needs to be eaten right now? What is at its peak? Or, you know, a little bit past the peak, so it's important to, you know, use it while it's still time. Is it a crunchy veggie that I should stir fry with a lot of high heat? Or is it a root vegetable that will need a long simmering or long roasting to free its sweetness? And then once you've picked your produce, you can combine that vegetable with a master seasoning, one of those that you found during, you know, that inventory process. One example, for example, I don't know, tamarind paste. I often find tamarind paste at the back. I love it, but I don't know why. <laughs> you know, it, it has a great sweet and sour punch to it, but I really don't use it half as often as I should. So let's say I found bok choy in the produce drawer and I have the tamarind paste. That will be my highlight ingredient. Then the rest will be supporting actors, really. And they, these other actors should be chosen because they contrast in texture 
and in color so that it makes an appealing meal that's also really well-rounded from a nutritional perspective. I mean, do your best, right? But um, ideally, we like meals to include a complex carb, uh, some bright vegetables, protein-dense foods, and a little bit of naturally occurring fat, whether it's even just a sprinkle of nuts or uh, even sesame seeds on top, for example. So every meal also, as much as possible, should have green in it. It's spring, so it should not be a problem at the moment to to stock that. So I understand that the stores are getting low or they're empty on pasta sauce. So assuming you don't have any jars of tomato pasta sauce in your pantry, but you have a lot of pasta, what would you do for as an alternative to make a sauce for a pasta in your pantry? I find that really funny because I I don't remember buying pasta sauce probably in the last 10 years or so. Okay, regular question (laughs) then, what do you do? Yeah, that's great. Um, I think the key, I I understand that onions have been running low. However, my store did have plenty of red onions. And so I make sure to always have onions and garlic and also ginger at hand. And uh, ginger, not so much in an Italian style dish, obviously. Um, But with onion and garlic, it starts any recipe. Uh, Carrots and celery are good for starting a pasta sauce that will really you know take it out of this world and make it really delicious and as i said canned tomatoes are great to have but really they're not absolutely necessary it was my husband's birthday last week and i made what is possibly his favorite dinner which is pasta with roasted vegetables Mm. and there were lots of roasted vegetables i was lucky to to get a lot from a friend who went shopping for us and um I also had, you know, a little bit of olive oil and I roasted some chickpeas to go with it and it made a perfect meal and I would not have wanted to have tomatoes in there. I think it would have, I don't know, it would have distracted from the flavors of of the vegetables. So uh, it's not necessary. And also, you you know, we also always think of pasta as kind of an Italian dish, but in a pinch, it makes a great noodle to to go with a Asian style stir fry, especially if they're whole wheat noodles. Uh, whole wheat spaghetti makes a really good stand-in for for noodles. I mean, don't try to pass that to your Korean mother-in-law if you have one. But you know, in 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 a pinch, it makes a great meal as well. We don't need to stay inside the boxes of traditional ingredient combinations. And this is also a time where we can think of cooking as an experiment. And I find that especially useful with picky eaters. I mean, I have, my kids are four and eight. They're starting to be a little bit more open-minded, but we still treat eating as an experiment, right? And so let's try this and rate it, you know, give a number and, you know, take a bite and compare it to other ingredients you've eaten and things like that. And I think a lot of adults are also a little bit picky, even if we don't think of ourselves that way. But if we think of the meal as an experiment, you know, we observe the process and we take, you know, notice of what goes in the meal and we observe the results and we just finish our plate. (laughs) I usually, I usually just, yeah, I usually just eat it and I go, that was really good. And on to the next thing. And you know why? Because there's just so many amazing plant-based foods that you can make. And if, you know, if you have, if you have a good amount of ingredients, which I do right now, but I also have a heck of a lot of pasta and I'm pretty sure it's going to start coming down to what can I do with this pasta now? So I'm wondering if you can speak to our listeners a bit about uses for cashews, because, 
you know, us sort of in the vegan cooking world, we know what to do with our cashews. Maybe other people don't. Tell us about the magic of cashews and their versatility. Yes. I want to acknowledge first that cashews are a little bit of a tricky thing. Um, unfortunately, harvesting cashews and especially processing them, they need to be, uh, they need to have their shells removed and it's a very toxic process. Um, yes. It's really tricky. So I personally have tried to reduce, you know, buy the most ethically correct cashews I can find. And because they're extremely expensive, then I combine them usually with other seeds because I think we've neglected the power of um, especially pumpkin seeds and hemp seeds. They also make great additions, again, especially if uh, using a high power blender or um, at least soaking them in advance. It, they do have a little bit of a green tinge to them compared to the cashews that are like a perfect creamy white, um, but it still makes a, a good mix. So basically any nut, you know, can be used like this, all, even pistachios. And so when I'm looking for comfort food, especially on a Friday night, uh, what I'll do is noodles and I will stir fry some veggies and then I will put in the blender a handful of nuts. It doesn't take very much. And Maybe if I'm doing something Asian, I'd say soy sauce, a little bit of rice vinegar, a little bit of a sweetener like maple syrup or maybe half a pit of date and a pinch of salt, a little ginger, a little garlic and add some water and blend that for a minute. And it makes an amazing nutty sauce. It's also good with peanuts. I mean, you could put if you don't have a high power blender, you could even use either almond butter or peanut butter to start a really amazing sauce. And the same thing can be done for um, an Alfredo sauce. And that is, you know, Alfredo used to be my favorite pasta. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, mm. Before before I went vegan. And then it, it was a couple of years before I realized I can make it even better. And what I do is um, I, I use a little bit, well, first I put the ingredients in the blender. So again, a handful of cashews, or also um, almonds work really well there, or again, a combination of nuts and seeds. And a little bit of nutritional yeast, which a lot of us will have in the pantry in ample quantities. A little garlic powder and onion powder, if I have them. A little bit of miso uh, paste, if it's been found in the inventory, or a pinch of salt. Pepper, maybe paprika. And then I add some of the cooking water from the pasta, so it's super hot. So I don't need to heat up the sauce after the fact. And so I just blend that together. You know, you have to be careful blending the hot water with the nuts, but it doesn't take that much so it won't overflow the blender. And it makes such a crazy good sauce. So I just uh, drain the pasta, saving some of the cooking water. And then I put the pasta back in the pot with the creamy sauce that I made in the blender. And I add, if I can, like a couple of cups of um, arugula or whatever greens I have at hand that will basically melt, you know, wilt into the pasta with the sauce. And I stir that. It's so good. Sounds <laughs> and, good. Do you, yeah. do you have a recipe available for this, Bridget? I actually have not posted that ever because there's, that's the kind of thing where it changes every time. I just open the pantry and I, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but I should uh, definitely post, um, you know, a template for making that recipe. And then the, the, uh, the, the, con the great conclusion to that dish is to add um, on the finished plate, a sprinkle of a mix of uh, nutritional yeast and walnuts. 
I called it vegan parm nuts. That's that is on my blog. Uh, but basically, it's just you know a cup of nuts with a couple of tablespoon of of nutritional yeast and a little bit of garlic powder. Uh, fresh garlic can be used too, but it's you know it becomes quite pungent after even just a day in the fridge. So that's why I like to use garlic powder and a little salt, and it makes an amazing topping. Uh, and also, you know, boosts the nutrition of the dish. Yeah. So it's really quite yummy. That sounds awesome. That's exactly like that Parma Parmesan cheese that you can buy from the U.S., which, uh, yeah, which we don't have in, for sale in Canada. My stock's long run out. So I just want to make some because I know the recipe's so easy. It's literally what you just said. So speaking of upping up the flavor profile, we like nutritional yeast and it tastes very cheesy too for our listeners who aren't familiar. But what are some other key condiments to have on hand for spectacular flavor? Mm, yeah. So what I really like Personally, I think I've grown to have a preference for um, a cumin flavor profile that can either go the Indian way by adding ginger and um, garlic should be everywhere. I'm not even saying that. Garlic, garlic, garlic. But then, yeah, adding cumin, ginger, turmeric, maybe uh, ground coriander, and that makes more of an Indian kind of dish. But then with the cumin, you can also have oregano, and a little bit of chili pepper powder and that gives you more of a Mexican mix and I think a lot of people are a little bit shy with spices I don't know if it comes from background as uh, you know many of us were omnivores previously and when you eat meat or dairy products or eggs those ingredients have a lot of, of fat in them and the fat acts as a flavor multiplier so you don't need to put a whole lot of spice for example to to really get a bigger punch whereas many vegan dishes are naturally much lower in fat there's no fat infused in tofu in any way comparable to meat for example so we should not be shy about adding extra spice i mean go progressively and you know maybe taste that chili powder ahead of time before you put a whole tablespoon of it in your dish but i think we need to to not be too shy with those spices many of them are not expensive at all uh, so we need to use them. And also, you know, they they don't go bad, but they do lose their edge over time. So we should run through them and not just wait for a special occasion to use those spices. Another, um, an actual condiment ready-made that I really like to have at the back of the fridge is a big jar of kimchi. Traditionally, kimchi, which is basically Korean sauerkraut, um, it's a little spicy and crunchy but often, unfortunately, it is made with either anchovies or shrimp paste. But if you live uh, in Canada anywhere, pretty much, there's the Rooster brand, which is, I think, the Loblaws store brand. And to my Korean palate, it's really delicious and it happens to be vegan. So I really quite like it. And it's just important not to overdo it. It's quite salty, but it will enhance any Asian kind of dish with a little bit of complement of texture and in a, a spice bunch. Yeah, that will give you a flavor explosion in your mouth for sure. That's a good one. So I'm wondering about comfort foods. You've already spoken about some. For me, comfort foods for me speak of like a few weeks ago, I had a pancake night. It was late at night and my friend was with me and I was like, 
I want pancakes. So that's what we had. To me, that's a comfort food. We had that with tea. Last week, I also had to dig into my pantry because I was craving chili. I'm one of those people that will go to the store to buy a can of chili because I'm super busy, but I couldn't find any there. So I thought, hey, I've got all these cans of assorted beans in my pantry. Allison, it's time to make some chili. So that's what I made. Uh, and I'm wondering, what are what are your comfort foods in your family? If you could just maybe give a couple of ideas of easy comfort foods that our listeners might enjoy as well, especially if you're having kids as well, because kids like comfort food all the time, but we especially need them in this stressful time. Yeah. I mean, we, we, food is always comfort to a point, right? I mean, I've heard people say food is not love and I'm like, no, food is love. (laughs) (laughs) It is love. You just should not have too much of it, but it's still, it's still a loving gesture. Um, well, that, that uh, peanut or nutty sauce I described is definitely a go-to for us, if, especially if time is short, because it's something you can just throw in the blender. You don't need to think about it too much. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I'm thinking, oh, I'd like to order noodles. I'm like, it will be faster and better if I just make that peanut sauce myself. Uh, the one thing I do if I have more time, and it's definitely popular with the kids, it's popular with omnivores. Um, it is my vegan version of my mom's uh, bolognese sauce on spaghetti. It's really good also to serve on portobello mushrooms uh, that are roasted, or it's good on polenta. If you happen to have cornmeal in the pantry, that's a good way to use it. And I always start a big pot with a really big onion. No onions too big for me. That's great. Some celery, some carrots, and lots of garlic. And then I add whatever Italian-looking vegetable I have, um, especially mushrooms, if I can find them. And then a couple of cans of uh, diced tomatoes, you know, the big cans. If I feel like something a little meaty needs to be added, I might roast a block of firm tofu. I crumble it with my hands, and then I mix it with soy sauce, balsamic vinegar, a little bit of maple syrup for a sweetener, and I roast that up for about half an hour. So it adds a really nice... um, extra chewiness to the sauce and after simmering all together for um, half an hour it makes it first of all it makes this house smell amazing and um, then it it creates a really nourishing dish my kids like to have the sauce on the side so they eat that like a stew and they want it to be blended all together so they don't see the pieces of vegetables um, but they still they still love it so uh, it's really popular with omnivores too i think it has a flavor that's quite universal so that's my favorite and that um, there is a recipe template for that recipe on um, on my blog it doesn't tell you exactly the ingredients to use but it it tells you how to make it Right. And what I like about this this conversation, it's it's more about a template and just sort of like playing it by ear and seeing what you have. But of course, for people who are inexperienced in cooking, they need a start to start somewhere. And that's why we're having this conversation. So these days, I feel that we really need to be thinking about boosting our immune system. We want to have a strong bodies that can fight viruses. I've been reading a lot about vitamin C lately, and I've been upping my vitamin C. Of course, that can be found in food because all of our best immune fighters can be found in foods. So what are some tips that you suggest for getting immune-boosting nutrition these days through your food? Um, Disclaimer, I am not a nutritionist or a dietitian. So take whatever I say with a grain of salt. But obviously, mom is right. Eating a lot of vegetables of various kinds is really the best thing we can do right now. 
Uh, when in doubt, go for some cruciferous veggies like broccoli, kale, cauliflower, arugula, Brussels sprouts, um, mustard greens. There's going to be a lot of interesting greens coming out now that spring is coming. Many people don't know that, but dark green vegetables are actually vitamin C powerhouses. The orange color is actually hidden under the green because the green is so powerful. But all of those amazing phytonutrients are in the greens. And if you combine them with a citrus, like if you have a, even a small orange diced on top of your bowl or dish, it also boosts the iron absorption. It's a great idea if possible to combine the greens with something orange or red that will bring more vitamin B. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of vitamin B in the greens. And spices, you know, again, go for it. Don't be shy. They contain a lot of phytonutrients with health-promoting qualities. In many cases, we don't even quite understand it, but definitely they are good for us. Garlic, ginger, and onions also boost our immune system. So just go for it and use them. Don't, don't be shy to make your meal an experiment, but also a, a delight. Right. And I've heard lately that it's hard to find supplements and, and vitamins on the store shelves these days, but that made me think, but all that stuff is in food and there's still produce in the stores. So just start eating your fruits and veggies because that is oh, actually, yeah. that's, that's the best way to absorb your nutrition, right? Instead of using pills. In, in many cases, the supplements, they're very concentrated in one tiny little thing. Um, but that element might be absorbed better when it comes in the package that it was naturally, you know, designed with. I don't, you know, believe in natural design, but you know what I mean. So really, you know, having the whole vegetables is really the way to do it. And of course, I mean, fruit is great too, but definitely upping the veggies at this time is a great idea. Well, I read a speculation that one reason why people have been buying out the supermarkets could be because people aren't used to cooking at home. And now that they are being faced to have to, they don't necessarily know what to have on hand or what to buy. So they're overbuying. This is why we're doing this podcast and this interview. But what would you just like to say to address people's anxieties or mental obstacles when it comes to cooking from scratch? Well, it's it's always true, again, pandemic or not, that before we go shopping, we should take stock of what we have at home. And I think even people who don't cook probably have more than they think in their shelves and their pantries. I mean, there are people out there with empty pantries and my heart is with them. But unfortunately, we also live in an era where we waste a lot and we forget about all the blessings that we purchased at a previous time, right? And so when we first start with that inventory, we realize that, yes, we've been eating the same two to three, you know, three, four things all the time, but we've bought all of these other so-called weird ingredients to us, right? And now is a good time to use them. So we, I think acknowledging our riches and our wealth is the first step that cuts back a little bit on that anxiety and realizing that there's good ways to use those things. Chances are those foods are still very good to eat. So shopping in our own pantry first and acknowledging what we have is, is a good start. And then I think having that, you know, list of 10 things and when it, it comes uh, time to actually cook, it's important to just take that first step. And instead of staring at the fridge, wondering, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I suggest either filling up a big pot with water and heating it up or if you have one preheating a cast iron skillet because they like to have at least you know 15 20 minutes of warm-up time and then go look for something to put in them 
And either you will end up with a really good soup or you will end up with some kind of a stir fry um, or something, or maybe even a simmered dish in your, in your pot, in your cast iron. But uh, taking that first step is going to break the inertia and almost literally light a fire under your feet and get you going in the kitchen and get you using what you have. And that's really where it starts, I think. I agree. I find that to be so true. So now that I've I've kind of broken through that last week, I am excited to keep keep going and keep cooking. So for those of our listeners who actually don't have anything in their pantries yet, what are some tips that you can offer for grocery shopping these days that you are utilizing yourself, such as when to go, where to go, keeping it hygienic? Are you out of your self-isolation period right now? I'm, I'm assuming you are going out these days to shop as needed. Uh, Yeah, I just went once so far um, and I chose to go to my small local grocery store, which happens to be a Choices Market. And I like that it's owned in BC and operated in BC. They really look like they care a lot and things were not perfect, but the shelves were generally well stocked. The staff members were really helpful, but they were also keeping a distance, you know, respectfully. So that was great. And there was clear signage everywhere to remind people to respect social distancing. So I thought, you know, I had a great experience there. I um, I personally will not go to big box stores as much as I can um, if I can avoid it. There are some items that normally I prefer to buy, say, at no frills because they are less expensive and I can't afford to buy absolutely everything at Choices all the time. But for now, I find that, you know, supporting my my local people has been rewarding in the sense that the food was there, but also that the relationships were were positive with the people in the store. I don't know anymore if the time of day matters so much because there's so many people who have had their life schedules turned upside down that I think store hours are also quite different. But definitely, of course, avoiding that first hour unless uh, you're a senior or an immunocompromised person, I think, is is key to give them a wide berth. But then after that, you know, staying away from each other. But it's okay to smile, right? And it's okay to say hello. Um, just don't, you know, get too close to people. It seems that uh, in some cases, people that are social distancing feel like they also have to cast their eyes away and not smile. I don't know if smiling is right. perceived to be dangerous. But, you know, we, we can still smile to each other. That's okay. But just... Yeah, just being reasonable and and also not overstocking. But it is true at the same time that now we're taking so many more meals at home that, you know, I can't survive the whole week with only two packages of tofu. I will need (laughs) to buy more, right? And same thing for, I I make my own nut milk for the most part. But if somebody is buying it in cartons, if now they're eating three meals a day at home, uh, they're going to have to buy more, right? And so... Also not judging what's in other people's baskets, I think is key right now because we're trying to not go to the store too, too often. Uh, but there's got to be a, you know, a flip side to that, which means that we need to get more every time we shop. Right. Finally, can you speak about the comfort to be found in making food, especially when we are not going outside that much and we're spending a lot more time at home either by ourselves or with our family members or roommates? Uh, unlike a lot of modern pursuits, you know, all the intangible work we are doing these days on the internet, cooking is a very, very tangible thing to do. And we can immerse ourselves in it, first of all, leave 
leave our phone out of the kitchen, it's it's dirty. Phones are dirty. Don't bring them to the kitchen. Uh, but also pay attention, you know, to what you're doing, and it it makes the experience so much more valuable. We we do have to take a moment to appreciate the empowerment that comes along with getting food into our homes and assembling it into a meal that we can then share with our loved ones. And it makes us all more content and it makes us nourished. And at this time, I, I can't think of anything really much more important than that. It's, I mean, at any time, but especially right now, it's, it's a very rewarding activity and we need to kind of bask into it if we can and not see it as a chore. And I understand if people are at home with kids, as I am, they might feel like they're constantly having to throw them food and snacks and things. But when it comes to cooking a meal, there's really, it's, it's a special activity and we're lucky to be able to do it still. We've also found that sharing the meal, even virtually with others, has helped. It was my husband's birthday, which was you know, a sad thing because we couldn't get together with our extended family, but we all, you know, met on video conference and each family had a cake and we sang happy birthday. And then we left, you know, the tablet on the table as we were eating. And there was a bit of the kind of banter that we normally would have at the family table as we were hanging out and eating our cake. And it helped make things a little bit more normal Obviously, I know that when I see them again, my nieces will have, you know, grown by another half head kind of thing. And of course, that's a little bit challenging, but at least we can keep the connection going at mealtimes. And that's a time where everybody is seated. So it's a little bit easier to all be together in the picture and, and keep in touch. I think that's really key to remain connected despite the distance right now. Well, thank you so much, Bridget, for coming on the show today to speak to us about plant-based pantry cooking in these times of a global pandemic where we have to stay at home and use the resources available to us more than ever. If you've been inspired by Bridget's great info and would like to learn more about her work, you can visit her website at veganfamilykitchen.com or find her on Facebook at Vegan Family Kitchen. You can also check out our show notes on the show at animalvoices.org. Thank you, Bridget. You've inspired me and made me hungry. I have to go get some breakfast now. Take care and stay safe. Thank you, Allison. You've been listening to the Animal Voices radio show on 100.5 FM Co-op Radio in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Please join us for next week's show on Friday, April the 10th. It will be our annual Easter show. We here at the Animal Voices program modestly ask you to keep connected with Animal Voices via the World Wide Web. All of our past shows can be listened to on our website at animalvoices.org. Our past podcasts are also available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Join our Facebook page and join us on Instagram, both at Animal Voices Vancouver. To close the show today, we are going to play one of my classic favorites on the topic of eating vegan food. This song is by Jonathan Mann and called Vegan Myths Debunked. Stay tuned next for Radio EcoShock with Alex Smith. Thank you so much for listening to Animal Voices today. Be safe and remember to be kind to the animals. Hey, Ivory. Yeah, Jonathan. You're vegan, right? 
course you can. Are you ready for the questions then? What are you waiting for? Where do you get your protein? Protein, protein. Only meat has protein. So where do you get your protein? Actually, lots of things have protein. Beans have protein. Greens have protein. Fruits and nuts have protein. Greens and seeds have protein. And here's the thing that's so obscene. Don't need so much protein. Most people eat more than they need. Well, I never knew that before. It's true. Where do you get your calcium? Only milk is calcium. Healthy bones from cow's milk. Calcium, I drink it yum. Lots of plants have calcium and lots and lots of calcium. And cholesterol, well, they have none of the fat found in milk. Calcium, no fat? No fat. Greens give me calcium? Lots of calcium. What about our ancestors? Didn't they eat meat? If I wasn't supposed to eat it, then why do I have these teeth? Do your teeth look like a carnivore? It's all sharp and pointy-like. No, you gotta cook your meat over a roaring firelight. Furthermore, all carnivores act on instinct. But humans make the choices they consider and they think. If humans of old ate meat, it was a choice, not a necessity. Well, I never thought about it that way. Everyone were vegan. What about all the cows and all the gajillion chickens that are living on farms now? If everyone were vegan, it wouldn't happen overnight. Demand would just decline, and so would the supply. Isn't vegan food just bland and gross? No, it's yummier than most. You care about animals more, you do. I care about animals. People too. Aren't vegan men weak and girly? I find vegan men quite sexy. B12, so they're ha ha. B12's for bacteria. Where do you get your protein? Plants. Where do you get calcium? Plants. Where do you get your iron? Plants. Where do you get your zinc? Plants. Where do you get your protein? Plants. Where do you get calcium? Plants. Where do you get your iron? Plants. Where do you get your zinc? Plants. The ivory. Yeah, Jonathan. I think I get it now. You do? It's all about plants. Yep, that's pretty much it. Okay, cool. Glad we cleared it up. Me too. Let's have a snack. Okay.